Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and a very special guest and audience. I have with me my producer extraordinaire, John Coleman, but we're giving you all a three for one with a special guest, UCF's own Cameron Moore. You are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast. Gentlemen, y'all ready to do this? You messed up the intro. That's not how we usually do it. Well, I, I've never done it with You've three people, John. never done it. That's awkward. Please well, I apologize. Like so I apologize to you or I apologize to the fans? Apologize to the fans out there. I apologize to the fans. It is very rare for us to actually do a podcast episode where there's more than two of us. It's typically, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC. Or it's... Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and a very special guest all the way from Bartow, Florida, by way of UCF. He is now a partner with Hometown Homebuyers, Cameron Moore. What up, what up? Is that better for you, John? That's much better, thank all you. All right, that's much better for John. We can get rolling, but more specifically, we are live and on location. University of Central Florida home of the Knights, College of Business, in the exchange with what looks to be about 60-plus... Hungover students. Future <laughs> leaders. Smacked. Bounce house last night? Hey. <laughs> we are at the exchange. Students, let us hear you. Come on, make some Clap, noise. please. Yeah. Oh, there we yeah. go. Yeah. Man, who would have thought 11 a.m. on a Tuesday? Too early. Way too early. So here's what we're going to do. We have me, we have John, and we have Cameron Moore. And instead of us doing a presentation, what we want to do is make ourselves available for pure Q&A. We want this entire episode to be an episode where we can give advice, whether it's career advice, whether it's personal finance advice whether it's adulting 101 advice to you all, the students, because here's what we have learned going through the ranks. Cameron, just two years ago, John, a decade ago, me two decades ago, there's nothing worse than showing up to a presentation, especially when you didn't like necessarily want to come here, but you had to come here because you're getting a, a, a class grade to be here. And people just talk at you and they talk at you and they talk at you. That's not fun. What sometimes is fun to come here and have a wealth of experience to draw from, and you all get to ask us questions. So I'm curious, who has a question that you want to get everything kicked off with? And we're going to make an entire episode based on your questions, our answers. And when we give the answer, our goal is going to be to give it not just for these 18 to 24-year-olds, but for the 18 to 24-year-olds from Spokane, the Key West, and everywhere in between. Sound good, John? What? Yeah, you're spaced I'm out. out already. Yeah. All right, first question. Yeah. This kid was excited. Uh, I'm going to throw it at you, but like, try not to hit the equipment because if you do, it's coming out of your tuition. Big 12. <laughs> so talking to the mic? Testing. Oh, that's cool. See, that's cool, right? Catch box. Oh, absolutely. Well, my name's uh, TJ Ruggiero. First time fan, first time caller. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, uh, TJ. <laughs> yeah, TJ, like T. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> got, a, got a question for John, actually. Oh. I'm a, uh, I know, I got you working overtime. But uh, I'm also a fellow marketing major. And I, I, I noticed, Dustin mentioned that you worked at EA Sports. Uh -huh. 
Uh, yeah, so out of college, I applied to every job uh, I could online and overqualified, underqualified, and I eventually got in as a QA tester. So some of you may have known, like, we go there and you bug taste games all day. Uh, the job is as horrible as you think it would be, but, you know, uh, I was lucky. I persevered and some, some way found um, a job in marketing where I was in charge of, like, uh, back of package. So back in the day when magazines were still a thing, you used to, like, read, like, Game Pro or all this stuff. Um, I was in charge of taking all the assets, we would call them. So, like, screenshots, if you see, like, trailers for Madden, um, I was in charge of, like, recording them and eventually worked my way up to where I was in charge of uh, the marketing campaign for, like, all of Madden. So any commercials you see, YouTube videos, uh, influencer activations, you know, fun shit like that, that's what I kind of worked my way up towards. Really cool. Thank you so much. Oh, sure, man. But but what's the cool story about it is you started as a video game tester. Yeah, I started at the bottom. It's horrible. But did you, you didn't care though? Like you knew you wanted to work at EA. Yeah. Like when I when I eventually got my opportunity, like I slept overnight on the floor of like for like two nights. Like I did crazy shit. Like shit that you hear in movies, like to get the job. Um, that's what I did to get it. And it, it was great. I I spent 13 years there. I learned a lot. Um, but eventually I found out corporate America wasn't necessarily for me, but um, it was a it was a great opportunity. So if you ever do get the opportunity and you hear people talk about like, oh, what did you do different? Like, you got to like think way outside the box, no pun intended, um, to land the career you want. Thank you very much. For sure. Nice. Thanks, TJ. Who else has a question for us? Oh, in the back. Perfect. Check that thing. Hello. Um, this is for each of you guys. If you guys were to graduate today, what industry would you look for a career? Oh, damn. That's you. I'm not ready for that shit. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, is what I have learned in general. There are certain aspects of, of who we are as people that we're just naturally good at things. And if you're naturally good at something, you're going to like it. And if you like something, you're going to be able to endure it. And so much of success is being able to embrace the suck and outlast other people who weren't willing to embrace whatever sucky part of their job they had to, they had to embrace. I'll give you an example. My degrees in ad PR. I thought I was going to love crisis PR. Like that would have been my jam until I learned that it's 18 years of making no money doing menial tasks to get to the point of crisis PR. And I wasn't willing to go 18 years of making no money. So I had to find other professions. Uh, what profession would I jump into 2024? I'm graduating. Man, anything that's financial technology, anything that's da data analytics, um, that would be interesting to me. But then I'd have to figure out how to go sell it because uh, I love being a salesperson. Because in sales, you have unlimited income potential. And I'm a kid that grew up envious of those families that got to take vacations, right? I grew up, I grew up envious um, of you know, people not having money or me not having money, but people having money. So I was always going to put myself in a position where I could afford vacations and I could also afford, this is what I grew up envious of. I was envious of people who had dads who didn't spend the entire weekend fixing shit that broke, right? Like I made a decision that I was going to be someone who could pay someone else to come in and do what they do really well so that I could do what I like to do really well, or I could enjoy my, my leisure. So I'd still be in sales, but I'd probably look more data analytics or fintech. That'd be my answer. What do you have, Cam? Yeah, I think that's a, it's a good question. I don't think there's like a right or wrong answer. Um, I, the way I approached it was, you know, I wanted to follow my natural drift in regards to like, I knew I wanted to make money. So 
I picked a vehicle. I, um, I flip houses, so part owner in a real estate investment company. I knew that that was going to be something that allowed me to actually make money. And then a big thing, too, that I found is, like, I didn't feel like you necessarily need to follow, you find something that you, you know, love to do at the beginning. I knew that once I made money, options start to open for you. And, like, you don't know exactly what the end goal is going to be in regards to, like, your career, right? I mean, I just, I'm using real estate to make money. I'm not going to be in it forever. Who knows? I just like, I like business. I found out I like business. So I picked something that I knew. It's like, okay, a lot of people, you know, a lot of millions have been created through real estate. I knew that's a medium I could use to make money. Um, and then once you start making money, you know, options open and things of that nature. And then you just start following your natural drift. Second thing being, there are some industries, right? Even if you're like the best operator in the world, best entrepreneur in the world, like, you know, you're going up against something that's not going to work. Like if you've gotten into newspapers today, like this doesn't make sense. So pick something that, you know, I think there's going to be, you know, a solid time horizon with something where, you know, you have a wind in your back. Um, you know, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett talk about that. Uh, something so you have a little bit compounding effect, but in regards to like getting the right career, your first shot, I don't think that's something you should totally focus on. I think it depends on like what you're optimizing for. If you want to make money, I think, you know, there's quite a few things you can pick. Um, sales, like Dio said, that'll get you far in regards to like anything. And then what you sell, you know, that can always change. Uh, it's interesting. I love, I love having Cameron up here. Um, and obviously I know him on an intimate level because I met him, you know, when, when he was still a, a junior in college and I've seen what he has done since graduating. But when I met him, he was pre-med, right? So what's your degree in? Yeah, pre-med, so health sciences. Yeah, health sciences. And you basically could have gone to almost almost any medical school you wanted to go to. Yeah, I took the MCAT, did all that fun stuff. Yeah, but you decided that wasn't for you. Correct. What, out of curiosity, this is, I think, good for people to understand. Like you're talking to someone who runs a mortgage company for a living, but my degree is in ad PR. Right. Cameron was pre-med until he realized, oh, I don't want to do pre-med. What was it that turned you off um, from pursuing a career as a medical doctor? So the biggest thing was I decided that I knew I wanted to make money. And, you know, the whole reason I got into med was because I'm like, OK, these doctors make a lot of money. But then once you start actually getting into it, first off, you realize you're tied into it for a long time. I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. It's like my main goal was to actually make money. And it's like if I'm going to do that, there's a lot of other things that I'm not like tied to for the rest of my life. Because med school, you got you know four years med you know, residency, things of that nature. I'm not making any money until I'm like, you know, mid thirties. And so my whole goal was, okay, what's something that I can, you know, have flexibility with, and then also carry that on in the future and like potentially change, you know, that was a big thing for me. So that's why I made the switch. Yeah. Well, I love a story he tells me, or maybe he told me, and maybe he lied to me, but we'll find out today. But it came down to like, you know, you want to be a doctor because you want to help people, right? You want to help sick people become healthy, hurt people become not hurt anymore. Uh, but Cameron learned through various internships that even as a doctor, you're a business person first and it's all about billing and it's all about revenue and it's less about actually patient care. And he's like, well, crap, if, you know, if it's all about revenue and all about, about billing, then let me go into other industries that don't require me to spend $200,000 on an education or eight years of my life. Um, something I want everyone to recognize, it isn't always about the money. I'm going to kick it over to John in a second because, uh, Unlike Cameron and I, what I love about John's dynamic is he, I'll tell you from being friends with him and a business partner of his, he's not driven by money. I don't give a shit about money. Uh, well, you do because you have a bougie lifestyle yeah. and you wear bougie clothes. Well, the secret to live the lifestyle you want all you children out there is to not have them. So yeah. as long as you don't have kids, you can do whatever for as long as you yeah. want. Yeah, dual, dual income, no kids definitely helps out. Uh, but no, what I was going to add on camera before I kick it over to, to John is... Um, Cameron and I did about a 20 minute prep call yesterday before coming in here to, to perform for you all or present for you all. And he was like, hey Dio, make sure you make it known. I was actually impressed that you even told people that you like, you're in real estate investing. 
right? Because if you ask Cameron what he does for a living, he's an entrepreneur. He's in sales, he's in marketing, he's in systems, he's in lead generating. It doesn't really matter the vehicle. Right. And I don't know if they actually teach you that in school. I haven't been in a, in a college of business course ever, let alone in the past like two or three years. And I don't know if it's really harped on that it, it's not necessarily, you know, the industry you're in. It's more about the, the processes that it takes to run that particular company. Like I have learned once I successfully ran a mortgage company, I can probably successfully run many other companies right. because it's the same workflows. It's the same hiring process on board, off board. Uh, I mean, revenue in versus I mean, against expenses. It's it, it becomes very cookie cutter in a way. Um, so I'd want you all to take notes if you're looking at Cameron. It's like, no, he became an entrepreneur. He's a sales and marketing expert. He's a lead generating machine. He just so happened to pick the vehicle. If he's a race car driver, the vehicle that he's driving right now happens to be in residential real estate. Right. And I want to add one thing real quick to that as well is like, you know, going back to the point of like what industry to pick throughout this, you know, my medium is real estate. Um, but like Dio said, like I enjoy the game, you know, the game of like business in general. So I can take that and apply that to something else. It's like the lessons I've learned using real estate, I think are applicable for pretty much any business. And so like, I really enjoy that process as a whole in 10 years from now, what will I be in? I don't know. I, I don't, I'll probably still have some ties to real estate. Um, but in regards to like actually running business, like the game in and of itself, like that's what I really enjoy. So I think that like optimizing for learning as much as you possibly can and like focusing a little bit less on the money at the beginning and really, really optimizing on like, what can I learn? Because, you know, you may have peers that go out and make six figures or whatever the case may be co coming out of college and you're like, I'm envious of them, but they may not have the opportunity to learn as much. So then check back in like, you know, 10 years later, it's like the people that can take those first three to five years and just soak up as much, you know, knowledge as they possibly can. It's like check back in a little bit and see like where they're at in comparison. And I think that's like a big thing I've tried to prioritize because I have learned pretty much by getting my teeth punched is like, you know, so much in the past like three years, it's like the money will follow. But the amount that I've learned, I feel like I could take it, you know, get it taken all the way today and then make it all back again tomorrow. Valuable insights. So many people play a game of checkers but those that are achieved the highest level of success, they play a game of chess. It's a long game. You're setting up your next move. Sometimes it takes you two years to set up the move that you're looking for in, in year three. Um, Cameron hates me talking about this, but if I was in your shoes and I'm, I have someone like him on a panel like this, like I like talking about the fact that he's going to eclipse that you know, it's like, it's like everyone's first goal. Like I want to make six figures. And then once you make it, you realize it's not really that much money. Like it's not going to be life changing. You're not going to, you know, be flying on PJs and, um, you know, doing bottle service in Vegas, but it's definitely better than, than most of the American populace. But what did you make your first full year out of college? First full, full year in the game. I think it was like 30 something thousand. Yeah. Like th dirt. Yeah. Absolute 30 dirt. something thousand. I remember him saying, look, and he was willing to eat dirt. He goes, I'm willing to eat dirt. He's like, I will do what it takes if it means I get to my end goal. Uh, and that's the whole playing chess versus uh, versus playing checkers. John, what's your answer to if you are graduating today or next Barely. year? What would, industry would you, you be looking at? Can you get a D in? and graduate? What's can you that? Get D's and graduate? Can you oh, still get yeah. D's and graduate? All right, then I'm good. All right. Are you uh, asking for a friend? No, no, no. no. Yeah. Um, honestly, I do so because I started in marketing. It was cool because I thought it'd be fun. You get to do all the cool stuff. But honestly, um, if I could graduate now, I'd want to learn something something that teaches me how to build stuff with my hands because I can't cha change a tire. Um, it's cool to learn all this production stuff. You meet a lot of cool celebrities. You learn videography. 
but all marketing in is working on PowerPoint decks and sitting in a queue and arguing with people. Um, that's really all marketing is. Um, and if you can deal with it, it's cool. You get some cool ideas, but like those skills don't necessarily translate like into the real world. And by real world, I mean things you can like actually do. Like being on set is cool and be able to direct someone. But like if my water heater goes out, like I'm screwed. So I need to call someone. So as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate um, tradesmen, tradeswomen, people who can actually build things, fix things with their hands because having a degree is cool. Having cool pricksers and TikToks and celebrity stuff is cool. But um, as you get older and you kind of get into owning a home and owning a car and owning just stuff in general, you'll realize that a lot of the stuff you learn in college, um, you have to pay for like once you get out of it. So I don't know if that answers anybody's question, but that's my answer. That was deep. That, that was deep. deep. Yeah. Did you appreciate that child in the back who asked that? Thank you. Yeah. No, J JC, John Coleman, JC. The carpenter. What do y'all want to do? What are some of your goals? Just shout out stuff. What are some of your majors? Like, what do people here want to do? Like, I want to be a fisherman. Like, I want to be a doctor. Like, what do we? Rich. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> hold on. I like the, the answer rich. What does rich mean? Money. Not just a lot of money, but rich in character. Okay. Yeah. Because um, rich is a pretty broad and bold statement. Um, I think it typically starts with money. And then if you're fortunate enough to get the money, then you realize, oh crap, it's not about the money. So then it may be about legacy. It may be about your community. It may be about you as a human. You're like, you know, oh, am I the, the type of human I wanted to be? Um, but I, great answer. I mean, I, I, I like it. What else? What, what, what are y'all studying? What are you hoping to do career-wise? Financial advising. Financial advisor? Okay. In the front? Yeah, do I need the box? No, you need the box, you yell it out. All right, um, I want to work in sales, but I want to work in entertainment. I want to work uh, with uh, talent. Okay, so like a talent rep, like talent agency type Something thing? Like that. Just be prepared. It's super fake, and you got to deal with fake people all day long. So if you like being fake, like there's a difference. Some people like the game. Some people don't mind being fake. They want to like throw people under the bus and talk shit and do all that stuff uh, to get ahead. Other people, like myself, I just want to show up and do a good job. I don't need accolades. I don't need like a fake title. I don't need people reporting to me. I just want to show up, do my job, be told it's a good job. I like that creative shot and keep it moving. So um, my word for the wisdom, like if you want, depending, if you want to be like on the sales like side, it's going to be very snaky. So just be prepared for that. But if you're ready for it, uh, kudos. But I know I'm willing to get like any help. You have any other questions I can help you get started. But just be wary of that as you get into corporate America. You thought like people were fake and snaky like in college. It gets like 15 times worse as soon as you get into the real world. So just keep that in your mind because you can't trust any of these snakes. But it is a game. It is a game. And if you're willing to work the game, you're willing to play the game. Like I'm willing to work the game. Uh, John has seen me in action. Mm -hmm. I have learned that when John and I are traveling, usually to conferences or speaking engagements where clients are paying us money to go up to and speak at their event, I don't even invite him to the fancy dinner afterwards, right? He'll literally tell me, and uh, well, you guys are all adults in here. He's like, I can't fuck with that. Literally, like, and I know he can't. So, so we, we play that role and that's part of our partnership. Yeah, I'll go shake hands, kiss babies, you know, do whatever it takes in order to make sure that we are moving our needle in the right direction to we'll go to our end game. In the entertainment industry, I love that industry. Like if I, if, if I could do something else again, Oh, I'd love to move to Nashville and I would love to break artists. Like I can't sing, I can't play, but I love music. He can dance though, real talk. I can dance no a little shit, bit. Yeah, I can dance a little bit. 
Um, but I would love to, to break artists. And I have a friend of mine that I met at UCF um, who, uh, y'all know the artist Jelly Roll? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Jelly Roll shouted her out two nights ago on, on uh, the CMAs, right? So she's a fellow UCF Knight. And she went from an internship in the promotions department at K92 FM here locally, the local country radio station, to she met a couple people who were working in Nashville. She went up to Nashville and she ate dirt. Right. She made no money. She worked 20 hours, uh, 20 hour days. She was on the road. But now, like she's hanging out with Lainey Wilson, Jason Aldean, Jelly Roll and Jelly Roll shouting, shouting her out on the CMAs. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that. That's what you think you want to do. And I think our advice would be go after it. Listen to John. He knows what he's talking about and listen to Cameron about eating dirt. But if you're willing to put up with the BS and eat a little bit of dirt, it's more about where you're going to be at 30 and 36, not necessarily where you're going to be at 22 or 24. Word. Did you have a follow-up to that? Yeah, actually, um, set me up for another question. You two have been in the workforce for a while. You've been doing very well. You're new to it. How do you deal with snakiness, that, those things you talked about, because it's being um, grimy? Yeah. For me, I learned, and I'll, I'll tell you a story of kind of like how I dealt with it, because this is like the, the kind of story that taught me the most. Back in 2008, how old were some of the people in this room? How old were you guys? Five. Okay, okay, this is great. Um, so at the time when I was trying to get full-time at EA Sports, I heard someone on the radio, and I was like, who's this person? Like, And I was doing anything I could to try to get full-time. I was not cleaning bathrooms, but I was like cleaning up stuff. I was, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'll just work way out of my, way out of my lane. And I heard this, this guy on the radio and I said, who is this? It's on Spotify. It's 2008. Um, and I went to the head of music at the time for EA Sports. Uh, way out of my lane. I was kind of you know, insubordination, but whatever. I was just trying to add value. Um, and at the time, uh, this is exactly what I said. I was like, hey, there's this, there's this guy. Um, I, I think we should work with him because I wanted to get on the entertainment side. I think we should sign him. I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, the guy was like, who, who's this guy? And I was like, his, his, his name's Drake. And they're like, he's like, who the hell is Drake? Like, your garage band? And like, laughed at me. He literally laughed at me. And I was like, no, it's a, it's a guy I really think he's going to be popping one day. Like, I think you should look into him. Didn't look into him, didn't want to hear it, kind of laughed me off. Um, the next year, I was at E3, which is like a big convention for, you know, video games or whatnot. And on the stage for FIFA, which is like the biggest title at the time, really drives the most revenue, um, they had a special guest, and that special guest was... Drake, as you can imagine. And nobody said it. I, like, I was like, wow, that's holy shit. Like, that's the guy I suggested. So um, once you kind of see things through that lens, uh, you just have to understand that it's going to happen. It's not if, but like when, when it's going to happen. And it's how you respond to it. So like I could have flew off the hinges. I could have like been irate. I could have done this. I could have done that. But in that moment, I realized like, oh shit, like I actually know what I'm talking about. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. Um, when you have creative ideas, when you think outside of the box, most people are going to shit in your idea because they don't understand it or they feel threatened, i.e. that should have been my idea. That's why I'm the director, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the more headwind you face, the more haters you get, the more sneaky people you encounter. Um, I kind of find not inspiration, but that lets me know I'm doing the right thing. Because if your ideas were ass and your execution was bullshit, like nobody would care. But yeah, I keep doing a good job because nobody really cares. So um, the more snakiness and the more grimy people you encounter on your path of life and in your career, um, just understand that it's most likely jealousy and low self-esteem. Yeah, because that was your issue. Like in that particular moment, your issue was because it wasn't that person's idea, they weren't willing to listen to you. The other issue could have been, and this happens, it was your idea, it was a great idea. They take it and don't give you credit for the idea. 
Um, and I think the challenge for all of us as professionals is to keep it professional and to somehow allow that to be a good chip on your shoulder. Like, remember it, right? Remember what happened, try to learn from it, but don't let it distract you. Don't let it put you down a rabbit hole that you can't get out of. Just keep marching forward with a good lesson and maybe even a little bit of uh, a little extra oomph to make sure that you're going to go out of your way to make sure that doesn't happen again in a positive. Great job. How about you? Have, have you, Cameron, have you uh, uh, come across any like shadiness or sliminess? And if so, like, like what did you learn from it or what did you, uh, how did you grow from it? Yeah. So our industry in real estate specifically is like, is full of them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't operate based off of like, they don't care about their personal brand at all. Like they're willing to tarnish their name for like, you know, a quick buck. Um, I think that the people that I admire most, and it's happened to us too, but it's like, once again, on a long enough time horizon, the people that like to end up succeeding are the ones that have like the good brand that follow, you know, stick to their, to their word and things of that nature. Those guys, like they tend to, to not make it, you know, over a long period of time. So like, I try not to worry about it. I mean, it's tough when you're getting started, right? And it's like, you know, you, everything you do is, is quick and it's like, you know, I got to get something up and running. And if somebody like screws you on a deal or something like that, it's, it's tough. But I try not to let it get to me. Um, it doesn't really affect me. Like we try to operate and, and build our brand. Because once again, I try to like look at things on a longer time horizon just because I know that like I want to be in the game for a while. And so building a personal brand is like pretty much like one of the biggest things we try to focus on. People will bring us deals and things of that nature just because they know we'll execute and things of that nature. So um, to answer your question about like, you know, the sliminess and things like that, I, I wouldn't try to let it get to you too much. Um, it's going to be it's going to be part of it. But I mean, it, you can't control that. You can control how you, you know, react to it and things of that nature. So that's probably my advice. Question on this side. These people are sleeping over here. Yes, ma'am. Can you throw the box so she could? Sorry, that sounds so weird. Oh, <laughs> that was a good throw. I was aggressive. Oh, I wish that hit my camera. I needed a new one anyway. <laughs> I'll get your contact info after this. Okay. Um, my question is for Cameron. As someone who's in real estate, how accurate do you gauge those like selling sunsets? Like, how accurate do you gauge like they're spot on. It's like a documentary. They're spot life. on. No, I'm no, just kidding. No, it's um, it's it's all for show and games, right? Um, it's I, yeah. it's it's entertaining. It's entertainment, right? And and trust me, like there are some entertaining things in in the you know the business world, but nothing to that degree, right? Like that, yeah. shout out to to the guys that run it and the people that run it, right? They're making boo of money, but um, how much are they actually making from real estate and things of that nature? I think the Oppenheim people are, they're studs, but um, in regards to you know. How real is it? I mean, it's all for show, right? I mean, JC knows back into that stuff, but um, yeah, it's not it's not as glamorous. Yeah, as the house is already sold and rehabbed before they even like start shooting. So yeah, it's fun to watch though. Yeah, I um, being a mentor, right? Being a mentor and having um, young professionals like Cameron that I've I've been able to invest in, it is the most rewarding. It's the most frustrating, right? The frustrating aspect is oh no, I just watched a YouTube video. It, this is going to be easy. Or, oh no, I, I, I heard someone on a podcast. This is going to be easy. So that's frustrating. The rewarding is when it gets kicked in the teeth. In a way, it's rewarding as a mentor because you, it's like you tried to say, hey, look out for this. If it, was, if it was easy, everyone would do it. If it was easy, everyone would have all of the money and, and, and have all of the fame and all of the success. It's not easy. Um, so yes, those shows make it look easy because they're supposed to be entertaining. Um, but to add to that, that too, um, you know, about it being a lot harder than you think, like watching a video and then it being, being easier. I'm gonna be honest with you. If I knew how hard it would be to like build kind of like what we built and things of that nature, I, 
I don't know if I would have done it to be quite honest with you. Like it was, it was 10 times harder than I thought it was going to be. So like, I think there's a little, there's some good about being a little bit delusional. Uh, I think that's like very helpful um, in regards to like getting started and, and like pursuing through it. But if you think it's going to be like, oh my God, I'm going to go and make a million dollars my first year. It's going to be super easy, super glamorous. It's far from it. But then on a longer, you know, once again, longer time horizon, I think it's good to be able to like get your, you know, your teeth kicked in at the beginning because you know, it's like, okay, I yeah. built this, you know, I didn't get a quick win. Um, and you can sustain that over your career. I like the word naive over delusional. I think it is. It's just being naive. It's just being inexperienced. And that's okay. Like there's nothing we can do about being inexperienced besides gain experience and gaining experience takes time. It just takes at bats. It takes reps. It takes time. Um, and that applies in all aspects of life, right? As a parent of a 15 year old and 18 year old, I don't want any more children, but if you drop three children on my doorstep today, I promise you I'd be a better parent for those three than I was my first two because I've had more experience. Um, to Cameron's point, if I knew how hard it was to parent y'all, yeah, I would have never gone there. I would have gone the way JC went, right? Because it's, 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 that's trying and that's, that's difficult to do. It's very rewarding, but trying and difficult. Does that help you with your question? Yeah. I awesome. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I think in general, our society wants to take a pill to lose weight. They want to do whatever the get rich quick scheme is. And they're always looking for the quick, easy fix. And there's no such thing. And because of that, you'll have people enter, especially real estate, as well as mortgage. And you look at how little they make or you see how Pareto's principle, the 80-20 rule, how much it comes into play. And it's because, yeah, most people don't have the it factor to get after it, to stick with it, to, to work really hard, even when they're not making money and to do it for a long enough period of time that they're going to be able to see the results. And I think because of that, if you're talking real estate specifically, that you'll, you'll see the numbers being skewed that 80% don't make any money. That's good though. That's, that's how you want it. Because that means, you know, there's more for you. I mean, realistically, like that's why you see so many people jump from like industry to industry, right? It's because they can't, they can't stick with it. They want to like have a quick pop. But like truly, if you would just stick with something for five to 10 years, I mean, and you're like, you know, diligent with it, not even like having like a great intensity, but like being consistent, it's almost, it's almost hard to lose. Like look at somebody that's been in an industry, you know, that's like truly tried for like 10 years. They've got to have some sort of success. I mean, it's, it's just by sheer luck, you know, just staying consistent with it. So, I mean, like that's good for us though, because we're like a, you know, we want everything quick society. And so like, if you stick with something for a long enough period of time, like it's hard to lose. And so I think that's, that's a good thing, right? That everyone else wants something, you know, a quick fix. Yeah. For the entrepreneurs in the Something house, like two to three years, Someone just know that it's two to three years to get something off the ground. Good hands. <laughs> what was that? Did he drop that for real? Yeah. <laughs> so this is a, um, What's your name, my friend? My name is Armani. Armani. Okay. Oh, professional regret. regret. I already know my answer, but I'll let you speak first. No, you go first. You get three, I gotta... By the way, you get about three seconds around me of silence before I start to freak the F out. For people like me, three seconds of silence is like 30 minutes of silence. My, yeah, my biggest regret was applying to the job on LinkedIn because now it led me to this. I could have just been at home smoking weed playing <laughs> Xbox, to be honest with you. So, no, no. Um, 
biggest regret, I want to say it's a regret. It's just like a, you see things clearly, like 2020 hindsight. Um, it, it sounds dumb, but nothing. I wouldn't, nothing. I, I think you have to do it this way. You have to learn things because if you go back in time and you change it, it just alters the trajectory of what you learn and where you landed. So, I mean, I know Dustin will probably say a lot of things he wishes uh, went went differently. But uh, for me, since I'm a creative, I really don't kind of look back. I'm like, oh, I should have done that. You can learn from it, but um, nothing. I think everything kind of happens for a reason. I'm a real like universal type person. Like your thoughts become things. I'm very like um, spiritual in that in that sense. Um, so I just. I just knew something would work out. Like I had a mantra that hours repeated and I thought like EA, I thought like EA was like the thing. I thought like once I kind of reached a certain pinnacle, there's like, oh, I actually reached my goal. Like my words became a thing. Like I'm hanging out, I'm doing all this. But then I realized like that's not actually it. Um, and I think the course that Dustin and myself are on now is actually what I kind of envisioned for myself um, because I, it does allow me the creative freedom. I am building this. It is ours. It's not something that is owned by a corporation. Um, so yeah, it's just, you just gotta know what you want. I, I, and the secret is like, write that shit down. It sounds like a joke, but if you really want like a job, if you really want something to happen in your life, uh, it's not fake. Like you have to like write it down physically on a piece of paper um, and recite it out loud every single day. Will you share yours with us? Uh, yeah, sure, I haven't re recited it in a while because here it is. Um, I will earn $10 million in exchange for my knowledge, patience, and creative talents. I'll achieve this goal by January 25th, 2020 by working for myself and with people I love and care about to create amazing content that lasts a lifetime. So 2020 or 2030, it's okay. Yeah, I was fucking, hey, clearly I'm way No, off. but yeah. but he is on that trajectory, right? He is on that, that trajectory. We're gonna take our show that's right now twice a week and specifically about 65% of our audience, quite honestly, they are mortgage and real estate professionals, but we want their clients, right? We really wanna be shit they don't teach in school. So we know that we need to go to five days a week. We need to have hour long episodes and we need to have one episode that's two hours long and it's pure call in. And we feel like if we can do that and we can start embracing, not hosting our, our videos on YouTube, because we do that. Like you can, just like with Rogan, you can watch this episode on YouTube, no, I want a YouTube channel that looks like a YouTube channel that helps brand what we're trying to do bigger scale in the universe in terms of teaching people everything they should have learned in high school but didn't. Um, so John is, is on that trajectory as long as we continue down the path that we're on. To answer your question, Imani, um, I have three different directions I can answer your question with. The first is I regret none of my mistakes. In fact, I would tell anyone who's willing to listen, I feel like I have achieved success because I've made more mistakes. I've put myself in opportunities to make the most mistakes the quickest and then learn from them. So, so much of life may be a race to go, who, who can go make the most mistakes? Who can go screw some stuff up the most and then learn from it, fix it, make it better, apologize if you are, you know, uh, uh, out of line a little bit. But um, so my mistakes would be more opportunity cost. So opportunity cost number one, I have a very successful mortgage company that I helped uh, build from the ground floor up with two business partners. Like legitimately 15 years ago, we were coming out of the financial crisis, right? The, the, the great recession. It was the three of us. We had one processor, one assistant, and we are in like 1,400 square feet that we could barely afford in Winter Park, Florida. Today, we have over 11 branches, 120 associates, and what used to be a good year is now an average month. I don't own a piece of that company. Mistake number one, understand what equity is and how do you get your hands on it, right? 
There's a reason why Cameron has 30% equity, right? He had a really good mentor, really good mentor that maybe shared some, some life advice. He also earned it because equity is not given out. It truly is earned. My second one was a business opportunity. And I can't really kick myself for this because it didn't present itself, but I run a mortgage company. When you're obtaining a home loan, it means you're buying a house. In order to own a home and have a mortgage, you must have homeowner's insurance. Like it's not optional, it is a mandate. Why in the hell did I not have ownership interest in a homeowner's insurance agency? <sighs> like if I just went back 10 years ago, my book of business for anyone who's looking for a career in insurance, whether it's life at Northwestern Mutual or whether it's commercial at Brown and Brown or whether it's owning an Allstate franchise, my book of business would be well over a million dollars today. Meaning I could sell that book for over a million and I didn't do it. It just didn't dawn on me. I just wasn't, I wasn't with it enough or I wasn't smart enough. Um, look, life comes at you. You know what I did this year? Oh, I invested in a, in a homeowner's insurance industry or a, a, a agency. Now I did so when my industry is in a bit of a recession, right? So it's again, a long play. I won't make any money from this, at this I almost called it at this homeowner's insurance agency. But what I hope to do is when I go to retire in 10 years, part of my retirement plan would be to sell that book of business, split the proceeds with my two business partners and move on. So those would be my answers to your question regarding like mistakes, quote unquote. Question yes, right. ma'am. Cam, let's kick it down to you. Sure. So yeah, speaking of the dirt part, I'm really familiar with that. Um, I just knew that I would regret like giving up on it more so than I would if like I went and just got like a comfortable job or something like that to where like, I feel like I would look back on that and be like, that would be a failure for me personally. I knew it like the what ifs, like the what ifs is what would kill me. Um, and so I was like, okay, if I stick this out and it doesn't work, at least like I tried, like I'm okay with that. Um, but the thought of like kind of giving up when I like knew I didn't give it everything, that would hurt more than, you know, the the little bit of like eating dirt for a couple of years and things of that nature. So that was like my big motto to myself, like internally. Um, and then you can't lose if you don't quit kind of thing, you know? So that was a big part of it. Um, books wise, uh, there's a lot of them. Uh, I'll let Dio answer and then I'll come back to you with, with a couple. Oh man, I have to answer the book. Well, so the, my go-to book for most people's atomic habits, because life is all about creating the right habit. I'm talking about, you want to go run a 5k, develop better habits, right? You want to get healthy, develop better habits. So I have learned that life is all about habits and I've read several books on habit formation, but atomic habits by James clear, still my jam. If, if you are a professional and you're paying me thousands of dollars to coach you, the very first homework assignment is go buy atomic habits. And we make it a part of our semester that the group reads that and we talk about it. So that's probably one of my, my go-to uh, extreme ownership by Jocko Willink. I love extreme ownership because that basically teaches you that it's always your fault. It doesn't matter what happened, right? I had a business relationship go sour with a childhood friend, right? I hope that I can resurrect that friendship, but I don't blame him. I blame me. I didn't do enough upfront to explain to him what I thought the company should do, what my expectations of him were, et cetera, right? So extreme ownership is a great way to quit playing the victim and teach you how to take ownership of your, of your own actions. 
and it's written by a Navy SEAL and a fellow podcaster. Uh, the dude's a badass. His name is Jocko. So those would be the, the two books. Um, my answer regarding like not being able to make it, Eminem says it best, but failure is not an option. It just isn't. Like I've never gone into something where I was like, oh my gosh, what if I fail? I don't allow myself to think that way. And I would bet on myself every single time. So have I valeted cars? Oh yeah, I valeted cars. Have I signed up with FEMA to pick up debris doing manual labor? Yeah. I was once an assistant auctioneer. Why? Because I had a baby and I couldn't afford my bills but I wasn't willing to, to sacrifice my dream and I wasn't, I wasn't willing to um, not make it. So I've done things like deferred my student loans uh, before there was things like Hulu and Netflix, right? So all you had was cable. I shut off my cable, deferred my student loans, drove around Orlando with a for sale sign in my car, right? Did every side hustle I could because I wasn't willing to fail at my ultimate career. Um, and I'm not afraid to work. There are... 24 hours in the day. I need to sleep eight of those 24 hours. The other 16, I can work, right? Preferably I don't. Maybe I only work 12 of them. But um, I'm not afraid to work. And I think that, that helped a, a, as well. You have anything to add, John? Books, some with large font and a lot of pictures. <laughs> so that's what I like to read. Um, and then, yeah, just real, I guess my thing, uh, life is, it goes by quick. Like, it sounds like a joke. Everybody says it, especially old people, but it really does go by quick. So if you're in a shitty situation, just realize that it will pass. And before you know it, you'll be on to the next problem. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. We have time for a 30 second question. And by the way, we will sit, we'll hang out because we don't have anything to do until one o'clock. So if y'all don't have anything to do and you want to get your questions answered, then, then we'll, we'll hang out. But I can see the clocks coming up on the 12 o'clock hour. Uh, 30 seconds. Yes, ma'am. And I, got, I can come over here too. I got your book too. Um, the Almanac by Naval Ravikant. That's probably like one of the biggest influential books I've read. So read that. Oh, and it. Yes. Yeah. You know what? Um, if you all have class and you want to get out of here. Skip it. No, I'm peace swearing. out. <laughs> everyone else, stick around. Ask your question. We'll we'll work through everyone leaving. Thank you all for showing up. Thank you, up. everybody. Good Round of applause for yourselves, on. everybody. Yay. But now we're in bonus time, and in bonus time, we'll take two more questions. Yes, ma'am. Hi, my name is Jackie. Yeah. Okay, so the question was, because it didn't catch up on audio, um, Jackie, right? Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Oh, Jacqueline. Okay, Jacqueline asked, she's always heard it takes money to make money, but where do you get started when you don't have money? Right? Cameron, I'm going to kick it over to you um, because he may have a really good answer for this. Yeah, so I, you either have like one or two things. You have time or money. Um, at the beginning, what we have when we don't have money, we have time. So like you can use that time to make money. Um, and then I'm a big proponent of investing you know the money but that you do make back into yourself so that you can increase your, your earning capacity so like i personally look at it as i'm going to make a lot more money investing myself than i would in like you know the s p for you know 50 years or whatever so it's like i take the time i make as much money as i possibly can by learning new skills and getting more you know more money per hour you know with higher you know higher valued skills and just really focusing on that investing money back into myself and then look where that takes me so at the beginning if you have time which you probably do if you don't have money because you're going to have one or the other Use that time. Do you believe in saving or do you think that's all 
Sure, sure. So I, I think it's good to have some savings, definitely, you know, to be able to, you know, keep yourself afloat. But personally, like, we're at the age, you know, at the beginning when you're getting started to where I feel like you can take those risks. It's, it's easier now to take those risks than it will be when you have a family, you know, down the road and things of that nature. So I'm willing to, you know, go a little bit heavier on, on the risk proponent just because I believe in myself uh, and I want to learn those skills so that I'll be set up in the, in the future. But what does having, you know, $50,000 in the bank account or whatever do for you when you could be, you know, making that in a month if you have the right skills, right? So that's the way I try to look at it. So success in general, it requires time knowledge and capital. If you don't have the knowledge and you don't have the capital, then you need a partner. Go find partners that can bring the capital and the knowledge. But here's the cool thing about knowledge. You can buy knowledge. You, you can pay for a course. You can pay for a mentor, a coach, a consultant. You can buy into a franchise that's buying into knowledge. So, but sometimes you need to find a partner. You may have the time, find a partner with the money. Right, you're willing to work 14, 16 hours a day. Find someone who has the money to finance your idea. Just make sure your idea is well vetted with a pro forma. So you may need to go work for someone else for two, three, or five years. And once you work for someone else, maybe save some money that you can invest in yourself later, but don't be afraid of a partner. Yes, sir. I promise one back over there too, but go ahead. Okay, so I'm a degenerate gambler in general. And if you don't believe me, come hang out with me at a craps table. Um, I love making money. Like, that is my hobby. My hobby, besides, like, baseball, football, triathlons, watching UCF football, like, another hobby is I like making money. So if there is a way for me to figure out how the business works and how I could put 25 or 50 grand into that business and get some kind of a, of a high return, I'm all for it. So now in order to be an angel investor, you have to be qualified. And in order to be qualified, in order to be an angel investor, you have to know who the angel investors are. So I put myself in situations or positions where I could network with people, right? Every city has their own small clubs or groups. I made sure I was putting myself in rooms with those people, but I couldn't do it until I was deemed a qualified investor. Um, and then like anything, you just, you start out small. Uh, you start out not knowing really what you're doing. But if you're part of a group, you trust the group does and you ride along and then you'll maybe get to a point to where you'll grow with the group. Is that, was that, was that your question in general? Okay. Yes, in the back. Wearing the salmon. Is that salmon, by the way? Can we call that a salmon shirt? Coral, okay. Yeah, so I love the idea of internships. Y'all should have like as many internships as you can get your hands on because our world operates based on who you know and not what you know. And the best part of internships is that they teach you also what you don't want to do for a living. So you get a leg up when you go, I had five internships. All five taught me basically the same thing. Five careers I didn't want to have. So fantastic. Like that 
process of elimination, we took those five off and it let me really become hyper-focused by the time I graduated. When you do intern, understand that you are there to do the grunt work, right? So in real estate, you're there to do the cold calls. That's what you're there. You're there to go door knocking and it has an end. So you may have to trick your brain, understand, Hey, this has an end. The end may be three months, six months, or nine months. You're trying to earn your keep. Your keep. You're trying to meet enough people, find someone to like you and find someone to want to bring you underneath their wing, but you're going to prove your worth by doing the grunt work. Um, as it pertains to getting your real estate license, like you have to get your real estate license, whether you do commercial, residential, whether you do leasing or sales, it, it requires it. I don't know how to overcome the objection of, well, it's costly. Like starting a food truck is costly, right? Becoming a nail tech is costly. So look at it as no different than what's the cost of you taking one graduate level course. I'm sure it's the same as it is for you to go to the local school of real estate and get your real estate license. Your real estate license isn't going to teach you anything anyhow. It's just your barrier of entry. And that may be what, what allows someone to look your way. But also know this, the career opportunity you want, especially right now, if you're talking mortgage real estate, like we've been in a recession on that sector, that industry since May of 22. The good news is we will be getting out of our recession as early as March of next year, while the rest of the country is going into their recession. And it's going to be housing and real estate that pulls us out of the recession. With the exception of commercial, I'm really worried about some of the commercial debt going bad especially with the, the, the output of, uh, or the, the down, the fallout from COVID. But to go back to what the advice I was trying to give, you have to create the career opportunity you, you desire, right? It's not, a lot of times it's not found on Indeed. It's not found on LinkedIn. It's not, it's not, it's found by working your network, by where, working your parents' network, right? Like again, I, my parents' network wasn't as robust, but maybe my best friend's parents' network was. And I was close enough with them and I was willing to ask them for a little bit of help to make some contacts. Don't be afraid to start attending networking functions. Even if you have to, you have to pay 30 bucks to go to that luncheon, like show up, put a smile on your face, put on your best suit, introduce yourself and be you. And just be like, look, my name, like you did with us. Hey, this is my name, I'm 20 years old. I'm doing this. This is what I'm interested in. And I'm looking for a career opportunity. Who do you recommend I talk to? And you, you take it from there. Yes, sir. Cool. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Interesting. So no, because the mentorship that I tend to do, I do through the school. So it's my way of giving back to our university and I'm not selected. Like the, the school does a great job of matching, right? So we have like a round robin, like speed dating where the students get to sit down with you and you get to sit down with them and you know, they get to rank their top five and you rank your top five and they do their best to, to match. Um, so I've never had uh, a, a mentee that I fired, but I definitely had some mentees that they um, dropped out of the program and it didn't hurt my feeling because at that point they were in it for the grade. I love those that want to interview them and I ask them, are you doing this for a grade? And they're like, no, I'm like, hell yeah. Right. Cause that's someone who's bought in. I, I coach salespeople for a living. The salespeople that I coach for free because they work for my company are the worst students. The best students are the ones that are paying me $5,000 to be a part of my coaching program. Right. Cause they are invested both mentally and financially. So if you were to ask me who is my ideal mentee, yeah, my ideal mentee is there because they want to be there. 
but I've had ideal mentees. One of my favorite mentees, we didn't talk business at all. We talked life. Like she was a, a, a young woman who basically cared for her, her drug addict mom and her two younger siblings. So I was, for the most part, a very parental figure for her than I was maybe for Cameron's buddy, Alex. He came from a great, great family, dad, super successful, mom, super successful. So I got to be a true business mentor to him. But I don't, I, I personally don't have uh, much of a, of a say, but I do prefer someone who wants to be there versus they have to be there. Final questions? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, we have three. Yes, sir. You're nice. Yeah, hey, how's it going? My name is Brandon Delgado. Um, so those are two follow-up questions. So the first one, what would be the guest, your guest, like, or dream guest in your podcast if you had to pick one? And then the second question is, I know you started production, I know you started your business from production. What would you say is, like, the hardest part, like, building your business and then finding people you trust as well? Perfect. I can answer all of those. Um, uh, I don't, one of my one soon-to-be guests, I would love to have James Clear on who wrote Atomic Habits. I would love to have Chris Voss on. Chris Voss wrote Never Split the Difference. He's an ex-FBI negotiator. Uh, and Matthew McConaughey, because I think he's cool as shit, right? So I'd probably go with, with those three. Um, was the second question was building my business. The hardest part, getting off the ground. Like you'll hear people say, oh, the first million is the hardest million. Yeah, they're not lying. Like that is by far the hardest. Once you get off the ground, even when I'm, uh, let's say I'm coaching a, a real estate professional or a mortgage loan originator or someone who sells life insurance over at, at Northwestern Mutual, making the first 150, 180, that's make or break. That's where like maybe 70% fail, but 30% make it. Once I can get them to get to overcome that big hurdle, it's a lot easier for me to get them to go from 150 to 300 and 300 to 500 than it ever was for me to get them to zero to 150 in terms of income, right? So like what daily activities do they have to do? How much enduring do they have to take on? Um, and also getting them out of their own way mentally because we're usually our biggest enemies from a mental aspect. And then was there a third part or is that both? Oh, finding people I trust? Um, personally, yeah, I, I've, my network, my network. I, I hire the human. I train the skill, but like, I can't, I can't train you to be a good person. I can't train you not to be an asshole. Right. So I have a hiring philosophy. It says no assholes. It's a true story. Ask anyone who's ever worked, worked with us. That is, I, I don't hold punches. I say that in the most HR compliant way. Um, and I look for good people. I also look for high aptitude. Like you gotta be smart. Like at the end of the day, we can't, like, it's, it's not our fault if we are smart or are, aren't, aren't smart, but I do look for smart people that have high drive and they're not assholes. After that, we can train you every, everything else we need. Um, and I look for that typically within my own circle first. Or by my own circle, like some of our best associates get referred to us by our current associates. Know that when you're out there job interviewing. Who is your ideal employer? Who do you know that's there? That's how you're going to land that job. Uh, yes. Perfect. Uh, easy question. I look for someone to have a signature story. I love people with chips on their shoulder. I walk around with two big ass chips on my shoulder and I'm grateful that they're there. 
Um, so I want that. I wanted, I want you to talk to me about how you have been knocked down, but you picked yourself up, how you were counted out and you proved all your doubters wrong. Have a story. I don't care. Maybe that you're five foot four, but you made all conference D one baseball and your whole life you were counted out because you were five foot four. It doesn't have to necessarily be something that's, you know, school related or work related. I just want somebody who can demonstrate with a story about how they've persevered, how they don't give up. Um, that's the probably the number one quality that I look for. Um, turn off of the minute you want to lead with comp and benefits. I'm out. We'll get there. We'll get there. But if you want to talk about PTO and you want to talk about, you know, what what's the compensation package, uh, that tells me you probably didn't do your research before the interview. You should have had an idea of what this industry pays. You should have an idea of what my company's benefits package is. Um, so I, I don't want to go there. Or here's the worst. I love asking the standard questions. Like I'll ask you in, in an interview, I'll ask you some, some weird questions. Like how do you have your closet organized? By the way, I don't care what the answer is. I care about how you respond to it. And then I do like for people to explain how their closet is organized because I like organized people. Um, I'll ask somebody if I could go see the inside of their car. I don't care what car you drive. I want to see, are you a messy or clean person? I'm not going to check the inside of your car. I want to see how you respond to that. So those are some of the quirky questions I'll ask you. Some of the standard, where are you going to be in three, five, and seven years? And when your three, five, and seven year plan does not correlate with adding value and growing within my organization, <laughs> I get tuned out because all of a sudden that's a job to you and not a career. And I'm trying to hire career-minded people. And the minute someone says, yeah, I want to do this, but my dream, my dream is to own three dog kennels and to train horses. And I'm like, but I'm a mortgage company. That doesn't really correlate, you know? So that's a, a bit of a turnoff as well. Like I appreciate the honesty, but you know, if there's a better candidate, they're probably going to get the job over you. All right. Last question. Anybody? Yes, sir. Yeah. Where do I buy my first suit? Ooh, I love this. Um, don't go spend a lot of money on your first suit. Go to men's warehouse. True yeah. story. I know. I mean, I mean for him you now, want a great no. suit? <laughs> hey, you want a great suit? Up on that board right now, they they, they sponsor the university, Tom James. Okay. Yeah, Tom James, but you'll drop three or four grand, but they'll come and measure you, and that thing fits you like a glove. Yeah. You don't need that. Y'all need a suit that lets you go to funerals, weddings, and your first job interview. Make sure it's gray or blue, not that flashy, because it's hard to go to, like, a funeral with like a bright blue pinstripe suit. Um, and you only need one. Like women, y'all, y'all need that one black dress, that one black cocktail dress that's kind of your everything. Men, we need one suit to get to get going, gray or blue. Then you can change it up with your shirt combos. You can get three shirts. You can get a black belt, a brown belt, black shoes, brown shoes, and one suit, and you basically have five outfits uh, just based on changing up your, your combo. And yeah, like I took my, my 18 year old when he graduated from high school, we went to men's warehouse. Um, that's not where I get my clothes. I get my, my clothes from Tom James or you want a hack. Here's my favorite hack. Keep the tag on and bring it back. Once you get the job. <laughs> no, that's ghetto. Uh, that's not even a hack, man. Yeah. We used to do day. that back in the three, two, seven, five, oh, with baseball. Old hats. Navy was notorious for that. 
Were they? Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Rest in peace, old Navy. <laughs> but um, no, my hack is go to like, um, what, what are some of the, like the, the nicer, like the Neiman Marcus outlets, like those types of outlets, buy it off the rack and then go spend $22 at your local tailor. So you get a nicer suit from an outlet, but spend the extra 22 or $32 to get it tailor made to, 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 to your body. Right. Cause I have broader shoulders, but I have a skinnier waist. If I try to put on an off the rack shirt, it looks like a damn hefty bag on me, <laughs> but I can go buy off the rack work shirts. And then for $12, I go to dry clean world on Lee road in winter park. Shout out dry clean world. Cause I love them. And for 12 bucks a shirt, I'll sit there and they get it all taken in. So that way it still fits me in the shoulders, but it doesn't look, look like, a, like a hefty bag on me. Yes, sir. Last question. I keep on saying last question, but I promise it's going to be the last question. Okay. Express for men. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Students helping students. Oh, by the way, if you buy a three-piece suit, you now have a different outfit because you could go with vest, without vest, vest only, vest only with tie, vest only, no tie. So yeah, there's definitely ways that, that, that you can dress for success without having to break the bank. I think we did a whole entire episode on that, John, didn't we? Episode 200 something. You don't know that, but yeah, we have like 400 episodes. We did do one all based on uh, on dressing for success. Hey, UCF, you guys were amazing. Yeah, thanks Thank to everyone at stage. Yeah. Round of applause for yourselves. You guys are the real MVPs. Thank you to our special guest, Cameron Moore with Hometown Shout out Home Cameron. Buyers. He's John it. Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. Y'all just tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast, shot live and on location in front of some of UCF's finest, the College of Business. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sarah. Kids, class is dismissed. Oh, Everyone else, make sure you're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, subscribing, liking, sharing, giving a five-star review, and we look forward to catching you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.